Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Smart Cities Chronicles, episode 11 today. Uh, my name is Adam Beck, the host of the Chronicles, Executive Director of the Smart Cities Council here in the region for Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and we're delighted to bring you our first Feature City Insights episode, which is part of our first group of episodes uh, that we've released. Uh, and with me to talk about City Insights and Smart City Insights uh, is Teresa McCallum from Christchurch City Council. Hello, Teresa. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for having me on. No, that's a that's a pleasure. Um, Teresa, let's uh, let's sort of start with uh, a bit of a bio and overview of, about who you are and what your role is uh, at the city. Sure. So yes, I am the Smart Christchurch Manager. And um, it's my job to trial technology and approaches um, that get Christchurch um, into its uh, position as a city of opportunity for all and a city where anything is possible. So we have a small team of people and, um, and I have a background in IT, probably been in IT for about uh, 15 to 20 years now and also a background in project and program delivery and management positions in various um, areas of IT. Perfect. Um, in the in the same way that you've introduced yourself, I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about Christchurch itself, the the city, some of its maybe key attributes and and personalities, and also from a geography standpoint, where where is Christchurch on the map? Excellent. Well, I do love to answer this question because we are a city full of innovative, creative, and motivated people. And I would say that uh, you could typify us as people who like to challenge the status quo. So just to give you an example of the sort of people who have come from Christchurch, you might know the likes of Ernest Rutherford, mm-hmm. um, pioneer of nuclear physics and the first to fit the atom. Uh, you may not know John Britton, but he created um, this iconic revolutionary motorbike called the, um, the, the Britton bike. And it's oh, super, yes. it was super light. And yeah, that bright pink, you remember the bright yes. pink? Yes. Um, yeah, we've got famous artists, uh, famous in New Zealand maybe, like uh, Beckenbow Ronga and Anika Moore. Obviously, John Key came from Christchurch. Um, he was the Prime Minister for eight years. Um, yeah, and we have um, just so much going on here. Um, we have, we would, we're the third largest city in New Zealand with about 390,000 people. So that's approximately 8% of the total population of New Zealand. And we're the largest commercial centre in the South Island. So we have about 33% of the population and we earn about 60% of the total GDP for the South Island. And despite all of the sheep and cow jokes, particularly coming from Australia, um, we are <laughs> yes, we are more than just agriculture. So Christchurch is the second largest manufacturing centre in New Zealand, and we're actually the third largest um, region for technology and innovation. So our tech sector exports about um, $1.1 billion annually, and that's almost 20% of New Zealand's total tech exports. Mm. And I suppose just to give you an idea, like um, we're also um, the gateway to the Antarctic. So we're only one of five Antarctic gateway cities in the world. Oh, wow. I I, I never even knew that. I know, I know. And you wouldn't. But we actually support um, the support pace of five national Antarctic science programs, which is USA, Korea, Italy, Germany, and of course New Zealand. 
And we have from Christchurch International Airport over 100 departures every season. We carry carrying about 1,400 tonnes of cargo and 5,500 staff involved from five countries. Um, so it's a, you know, it's the little things that go on in Christchurch. We also um, contribute to Mars missions and things like that. But um, yeah, so I suppose if you think about the geography of the place, we're, a, we're known as a garden city because we have more than a thousand parks um, to be shared by our people with Hagley Park being um, the largest, which is a, approximately 400 acres, which is about the equivalent of 150 rugby pitches. So for anyone who knows New Zealand, we, you know that we measure everything in rugby. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> and we're flat and dry and sunny, which makes us the cycling capital in New Zealand. And we've got lots of recreational opportunities we have summer days that are long and warm, 15 hours of daylight. But then in the winter, and, oh, and a typical um, some, you know, summer temperature would be 23 degrees, but in weeks like this week, we're sort of spiking around 28 and over, over 30 degrees. But in winter, um, it's definitely colder, um, but it's crisp and clear. We get frosty mornings, and um, sometimes we even get snow, which causes absolute chaos amongst the transport system, but it's a real joy for kids because the schools get shut down. So, yeah. So we're, wow. you know, we're, we're great. There's lots going on, um, yeah, in Christchurch. <laughs> I, I must say, just on the, um, just on sort of the, the winter crispness and freshness, I, uh, uh, I, I experienced for the first time in my life sub-zero degree Celsius temperatures when I arrived at uh, Christchurch Airport about, Oh, 20, 20 years ago, which was my first trip to Christchurch. And I never forget it when I left the, the terminal building and the doors opened up and it hit me right between the eyes. But um, it, was a, it was a delight then and a delight now. Um, and and um, so many other things I could sort of say about what I love about New Zealand more broadly. But for our listeners, uh, particularly our international listeners, um, it is a absolutely gorgeous country, um, but smart cities. Let's talk about smart cities. Um, I I'd like you to share maybe firstly, uh, Teresa, um, some context for our listeners. And I, I suspect um, there's there's probably some alignment with your your smart cities journey here. Um, but talk to us about the the 2011 uh, earthquake and sort of how that, uh, how that played a role in your journey on smart cities. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's definitely a defining um, sort of period in Christchurch's history. Um, the quakes of 2010 and 2011, and we call it a quake series because, you know, there were approximately 10,000 aftershocks. Um, so it was certainly a, a rocking city for several years um, but in 2011 we had our largest aftershock which was um, a magnitude of 6.3 um, and that was unfortunately very shallow and very close to the city centre and um, and it uh, actually killed 185 people and uh, we had many more injured and there were huge swathes of the city that were destroyed um, approximately 90% of the CBD is being regenerated and it's estimated to cost, you know, maybe a total of about $40 billion by the time it's all sort of said and done. And we've got, uh, I think, 14,000 homes which have not only been rebuilt but quite 
quite a number of them have been relocated to other other areas of the city. So it's been a real wrench for the communities um, in Christchurch. And, you know, whilst the rebuild has plateaued, just to give people an idea of the volume of regeneration that's going on in our city, we're spending approximately $100 million a week um, on the regeneration of our city, and that's going to be going on for um, several years to come. So, so yeah, it's been... It's, it's obviously um, defining our city. We, we went from cordons with military um, personnel standing guard to protect people from entering the city and, and you know, the loss of um, retail stock and those sorts of things um, to a city now that is really thriving with masses of hospitality and beautiful um, regeneration around the, the river and um, gap filler projects that were designed by, you know, by the community, for the community. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey. And mm. um, and one thing that our Mayor, the Honourable Leanne Dalzell, likes to use, is a, she corrects a quote um, that's been misquoted from um, John F. Kennedy. And um, we obviously have a strong um, relationship with, with China and with lots of sister cities. And um, the quote says, from, attributed to John F. Kennedy is when written in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger and the other represents opportunity. And when Leanne Dalzell refers to that quote, she reminds people that the correct interpretation is actually more relevant for Christchurch because, and I was in China last year and was able to um, be part of a mural forum where, where we discussed these very things, but um, Weiji is the word for crisis, and that's made up of two characters. Wei is danger, and Ji is like that incipient moment, the crisis point. You know, when danger is imminent, it's like when the cat mm. is whipping <laughs> yes. its bottom ready to pounce, or, you know, that sort of thing. But, and Ji Hui is the word for opportunity. And that has that character Ji again, and that's once again that incipient moment, um, which when it comes to opportunity is, is, is brimming with positivity and that's kind of where Christchurch has been so it's the last um, you know the last sort of nine years whilst it's been um, a wrench it has actually given us um, the ability to to really um, capitalise on on the tragedy and create opportunity from crisis. There's there's absolutely no um, no, no doubting that um that sort of opportunity that, that has emerged. Someone once described it to me probably about five years ago. Um, I, and I heard it at a conference actually, um, that at, at sort of that moment and, and given the spend you just quoted there, a hundred million dollars a week. Um, it was, uh, it was mentioned that it was the largest construction project on earth. And, um, it's not every day that a city essentially has to go through the process of rebuilding itself, which is literally, what's been happening, correct? Correct. And, it's, and it is quite bizarre because Christchurch is New Zealand's oldest chartered city, but we're also New Zealand's newest city now. Um, and because it was a rebuild, you know, it's not like um, these new cities popping up in China or the, or the UAE. You know, we're an old city, so you really had to um, get people back up and running, just core infrastructure. You know, for instance, we had whole neighbourhoods using portaloos, um, having to line up on the street to go to the toilet. And we, you know, it took 
it took many months and sometimes over a year over a year to get them back into their own bathrooms. Ninety percent of the central city business district was, you know, was ultimately cleared. We've still got areas that are, you know, that haven't been developed yet. Um, so it was a mammoth task. It was a mammoth task for the city. And it, and it's still um, it still will be. Um, so let's let's talk about smart cities and. I mean, based on what you've sort of described and shared with us around that sort of that sort of last sort of nine or so year history, at what uh, at what point did sort of the idea of smart cities start becoming uh, an idea? You know, what was was there a catalyst moment? Was it was it um, was it sort of just the mayor wakes up one day and says, "Hey, let's do smart cities," or? (laughs) Or, or was there some other defining sort of moment that, that set you on this journey of smart cities? Yeah, no, um, I guess the the opportunity um, that presented itself with the um, with the rebuild and with the quakes um, really focused council into seeing the opportunity um, for smart cities. So. You, you know, there were t- at the time, smart cities was really gaining momentum around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and our council was, you know, given what they had experienced with the quakes um, and the lack of sort of defendable, robust um, data with which to make decisions in that um, disaster and then the subsequent um, rebuild and repair and regeneration, uh, the council really wanted two things to come out of focusing on smart cities. So one was... Um, how we as a city could use, better use the data to generate insights um, and make decisions around asset management and city design because obviously um, that's what we were going to be doing for the next sort of 20 to 30 years. Um, but also um, really keen to see opportunities for increasing citizen participation. And one of the areas that they were looking at was the development of real-time visualisation tools which would help people to um, see the house and the workings of the city and also um, understand um, what's involved in running a city and the opportunity cost, um, you know, given that we have limited funds and an entire, you know, city to regenerate. So, yeah, carry on, sorry, Adam. Yeah, so that's, um, that, that sort of must have been a somewhat of a congested space. You know, you've got this opportunity with the rebuild going on. Yes, you want to be smart. No doubt, you know, you want to be sustainable. You want to be green. You want to be, you know, like so many other things. That the, the planning process, the strategy development process during this time, um, what did that look like from a smart cities perspective? We actually had, um, what's the planning Process well, and, and from a, a, a sort of meta perspective, if you like, um, actually the council got awards for their um, for their engagement process to get feedback um, from from the citizens about how they wanted to see their their city develop. Um, but from a smart cities perspective, you know, from the smart cities program, it was really um, wanting to leverage. And it is a congested space, as you say, um, so really wanting to leverage the sort of collective genius um, that was going on in the city already. So what we were seeing was the community actually um, standing up and, and sort of taking ownership in the gap that the council left because we were busy trying to get infrastructure up and running. Um, so there were these um, temporary initiatives, like I mentioned, you know, 
um, the, um, greening the rubble, which was take, taking us from a city of car parks to these beautiful little um, temporary pop-up projects. Get for the project. We're the iconic restart container mall, you know, where developers are getting together and trusts are getting together, just uh, getting commerce back into the city. Um, and we had collaborative innovation spaces such as Epic and and we even had new city services coming from citizens like the Christchurch Bike Share, um, which leveraged crowdsourced funding from the community. Um, so it was, we had these community initiatives and then we also had the, um, the big companies, if you like, um, beginning to take interest in, in what was happening in Smart Christchurch. So, or what was happening in Christchurch, I should say, which gave rise to having the program so that we could um, sort of organise this effort. And, yeah, carry on. Yeah, so, so we have a Smart Christchurch program that's, that's evolved. Um, I've, I've found... I found on the interweb a document, Smart Christchurch Strategic Alignment, which speaks to a range of uh, values and principles, um, mm. al- alignment back to your sort of uh, long-term plan. Um, one, thing that mm. really, one thing that really jumps out, uh, I'd like you to sort of talk us through that in a moment, but one thing that really jumps out at me, and when the word is used, I like going to that word first, which is our values. I love I love the idea of values, and you've expressed in this document um, some really just authentic values. You know, really cool values as well. You know, be brave, take risks, um, make it better for people. You know, we're proud to put our name on it. Um, talk talk me through this document that I'm looking at, and and what it stands for, and and how you use this day to day. Yeah, and. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Um, that's been a, a really enjoyable process um, for our team. So, you know, I sh- the Smart Christchurch team is very lean. Um, it's a team of four people, including myself. And there's not a lot of funding available um, to spend on large um, strategy exercises or consultation initiatives. So because we're lean and we're trying to reuse um, you know what's there we thought that um, a smart thing to do would be to line up to the city's um, vision and our our values really typify how we work in Smart Christchurch so you ran through some of them and um, be brave, take risks fast is better than slow we make it better for people we're proud to put our name on it I mean these are really simple ways of assigning quality to you know, to what we do, and mm. um, we keep it real, and we operate with integrity, and we take responsibility and know when to pivot. And when we designed these values, and um, essentially what what I asked the team was was this describing a team and environment that they wanted to be part of, and um, it, you know, unequivocally it did. And as a group, we we refined those even more, and it's. Um, I've tried to keep this document simple. Um, this is only a one-page overview. The wording is, um, even the wording is done in, in a way that, that if you like, uh, reflects what we do at Smart Christchurch. We kind, you know, keeping it real, um, keeping things simple. And um, we, you know, we're just essentially lining straight up with the vision, very clear line of sight in a very simple pictorial way. 
and um, our values are out there clear for everyone to see and hold us to account to as well as the principles for how we do things and um, and our mission so yeah it's um, it's certainly exciting um, to have something so simple um, define our program so you know one thing is that the vision um, the vision for Smart Christchurch is to promote Christchurch as an exemplar open and connected city showcasing solutions that make life better and are replicated by others so even in that very simple statement, you know, I could have talked a lot about obviously sustainable initiatives, asset management, um, you know, all those sorts of buzzwords that go with smart cities and are certainly part of Smart Christchurch. Um, but rather than that, um, you know, I just basically um, tried to say something in one sentence which showed that we were dedicated to being open, connected um, and allowing others to use our solutions. In, in your purpose, um, this sort of idea and statement around, you know, trialling technology and approaches, mm. um, I, I certainly get a sense from hearing from you, Teresa, that, um, you know, with the, the backdrop of, of, I suppose, the opportunity that the, the earthquake presented, which was, you know, re rebuilding an, almost an entire city, um, you've, you've had to operate in an environment where there's probably... A lot of things going on in parallel. Um, I, I can't. Im I can't begin to imagine how many stakeholders, whether they're sort of government or non-government industry stakeholders, that have sort of surrounded themselves um, in in the rebuild. Can you describe a little bit around the sort of daily the daily operating environment that you and the team have had to be part of? I mean, is it is it all mapped out and you've got the next, you know, 30 steps clearly sort of articulated? Is it sort of you come into work each day and you sort of don't know what's going to happen and you sort of capitalise on opportunities that sort of come from left field? How, how's the, how do you sort mm -hmm. of operate in, in, in an environment where so much is, is sort of being done to try and, you know, re really make this city yeah. and rebuild it in a way that's sort of, you know, really great and awesome. Yeah, that's actually a really good um, point you've raised because, and you did refer previously to this being a congested space that Smart Christchurch is operating in, and that is absolutely true. So if you think that the environment in Christchurch is one of, you know, major strategies that involve, um you know, all of government um, coming down and creating new agencies, partnering with council. So, there's, you know, there's new institutions being born to create strategies and programs of work um, that, that speak to how Christchurch is going to, you know, to evolve over the next 40 years. Um, and that environment meant um, and just to give you context, like any other local government or council, um, you know, just, I think there's about 53 strategies already existing in, in Christchurch City Council, uh, let alone before we start with all the, you know, earthquake-related strategies and plans and, and organisations. So that actually influenced the way that I operated in the first two to three years of Smart Christchurch, which is, you know, from, from 2016 till now. Um, there was not much appetite for yet another blue skies kind of approach and long convoluted strategies and talking about what we would do um, when we get the funding and the resources to do it. 
So I had a very different approach in Christchurch as a result of that. I decided um, that the best approach would be that we just demonstrate that we're not, we don't just talk about um, smart cities and we don't just talk about what would happen in ideal foundation building blocks. We demonstrate that we're a, a group that, that does things, that actually takes action by delivering rapid proof of concepts um, that demonstrated um, for operational leaders and the public and elected members um, the, the efficacy of a new technology or approach. So it was, it's, a, it's a different way of working for sure and um, it was a deliberate move in order to get stakeholder buy-in um, in, in an environment where there was a lot of rhetoric. I have, I have no idea how you would ever benchmark yourselves, but the question I have is, do you feel you've been successful? Yeah, well, I, I definitely do. So, um, if you, so one of the things that we sort of set up to do was to shoulder the risk that comes with innovation because councils as operational organisations really are quite hamstrung with being radical and creative. Um, and we have done that. We have been brave and we've taken risks. Um, there have been some areas where we've, um, where we've had the opportunity to, you know, to fail well or learn quickly, as people say. Um, and that in itself is, is, you know, is a measure of excess because I, you know, my perspective is if we, if we always got it right, that means we wouldn't be trying hard enough. Wouldn't, we wouldn't be taking risks. Um, we also um, have managed, what makes us successful, I think, is that we've actually managed to keep this rapid deployment of proof of concept. Um, and that's because we've set up right-sized processes for these trials that support the rapid delivery but don't stifle innovation. And just one simple example of that is that my re reporting structure is just to, you know, one, one up to the GM of strategy and transformation. And um, my GM is able to sign off 95% of the initiatives. And these fewer layers mean that we get faster results. Um, and I think, you know, having a, the support from the elected members has been vital to our success. So we've got a mayor. I mean, as you heard when I quoted Leanne Dalzell earlier, she is um, sharp and insightful. Um, and having a mayor and, um, and a council who are excited by innovation and pushing the city to do more um, is priceless. Um, and, you know, we have, we have got some, um, you know, we've got some examples of projects which you might want me to go through later, but... Um, I think those those are the sorts of things, um, as well as attracting funding from from different places that have made us just successful. We've also had partners who we've worked with, who are now, um, you know, because of our partnerships, have actually created new divisions of their of their work of their companies, and are selling not only within New Zealand and Australia, but into the UK and Hong Kong with their products and their services. Um, we have. Um, we've actually sort of disrupted models for, um, for instance, seismic resilience. So usually accelerometers or seismic sensors are um, a part of a capital build, which ultimately usually gets descoped as the budgets run tight um, when people are building 
um, beautiful new new developments. Um, but one of the things we did was partnering with a local company to really disrupt it and you know remove some of those barriers to access. And we, you know, we've created Seismic Resilience as a service model, and this platform, you know, is available. And, you know, it's a sort of um, where the council is the primary mover in this area, but it's available for any developer, any business, any lease leaseholder, um, and and even private individuals to monitor their houses. So things like this mean that we'll be, you know, we're the most densely monitored urban environment. Um, with our seismic sensors initiative, and this data is going to be a goldmine, not just for, not just for Christchurch in the event of an emergency, but for understanding how our geology um, responds, and and it will become um, a goldmine for engineers and um, and you know seismic initiatives all around the world. So things like this, given limited funding, um, small teams, and um, you know, and this um, this sort of trial first approach rather than a, a big strategy vision approach um, for this to yield successes on that scale is a you know is a, makes me tremendously proud of of the team and the partners that we work with. Well, I think you've certainly got justification for you know responding to that question with with you know yes, there's certainly been success. Can I ask um, a, a, about Support and particularly national government support. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm I'm sitting here in Australia, and we're currently in the midst of um, fifty million dollars being dispersed from our federal government uh, down <laughs> to local authorities and private sector partners who are undertaking you know a whole range of different um, you know urban urban sort of uh, smart cities you know deployments and proof of concepts. Um, the, you know, Canada is just finalising, you know, their shortlist of, uh, of of cities for their um, smart smart infrastructure challenge. The US has done their smart cities challenge. Talk to us about uh, the New Zealand government. Uh, I know that there was a, a national program uh, that ran for a number of years, and indeed, um, I recommend to any of our listeners to to go and uh, read some of the evaluation documentation that was mm. that was created by um, Linz, L-I-N-Z, um, uh, which sort of, Teresa, you can sort of explain a little bit more to us what, what Linz is, but um, some great documentation around, um, you know, mm. criteria and evaluation of effectiveness and things like that. Can you tell us more about that program and how that sort of interacted or uh, aligned or supported what your efforts were or are? Yeah. You know, funnily enough, um, you know, despite Christchurch being a dead ringer you know, for a smart city initiative, um, given we were rebuilding home infrastructure and attracting, you know, all of this investment, um, it was actually a central government um, program that really catalyzed the smart Christchurch program within the council. So, and that's the Lynn's program that you're referring to. Um, so I'll just give you a little bit of a, of a you know, very quick one rundown. So in early 2016, which was about the time that you know, I came on, and now you know why I was appointed, um, Christchurch joined a central government-led program, which was a coalition between Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. And the point of that was to test the value of smart city concepts through proof-of-concept projects. Um, 
uh, LINS, which is Land Information New Zealand, which just happened to be um, quite innovative in that space. In 2016, they were running um, data um, initiatives and you know, really innovating in this sector. Um, the purpose of this program was to provide, as you've referred to, empirical and robust evidence um, for the potential value of smart cities principles as they can be applied to a smart nation program. Um, so to give you a, an idea of the scale, however, you um, mentioned the 50 million that's currently being sort of dished out in Australia and I remember hearing about that when I went to a conference in Australia in, um, in 2016 and thinking, wow, the scale is quite different. Um, and obviously compared with Hong Kong uh, and Dubai, um, our, our initiative or the investment from central government for this program was quite, quite modest. But despite that, I, um, I don't want um, governments to lose heart or other cities to lose heart because that small um, investment catalyzed this program that now exists in 2019 and which I have lost the aspirations <laughs> to go well into the future. So what, what the, it was set up to have match funding from the council's um, match funding to the government's contribution. And the contribution was less than 500000 per city um, and an element of funding left over to create that business case and those resources that you have referred to and which um, are a great resource for other cities, not only in New Zealand but around the world. Um, yeah, and, and that, that actually had great benefits for us because that third-party funding, not only through the government via LINS, um, we also had a technology partner, NEC, um, who also contributed um, for the program of work. It provided an exemplar for Christchurch um, for how we were going to do things differently in the city, that we weren't just going to seek ratepayer funding to do the you know 20th century things. We were looking to implement new ways of doing things. Um, it sent a signal to the innovation sector in Christchurch that we were you know committed to fostering and partnering and collaborating. And it's helped inform my own Smart Christchurch strategy. And the working relationships that I developed over that um, sort of one and a half to two years, um, they still exist today for me within, Christ, uh, within New Zealand. And uh, that's been really useful. And we, we did things like leveraging, you know, the collective um, use of, of the cities. So, for instance, Wellington had forged ahead with um, privacy assessments with the Privacy Commissioner and we got the benefit of being able to leverage those templates and obviously now um, you can access those, um, you know, any, any country or any city can access those. So these sorts of things are really good. Um, just a little bit helps to push the council over the edge to say it's not just us, there's central city, uh, central government funding as well. I, I love that, um, that, that sort of sharing from from city to city which which could be so so powerful uh, i mean you know the, we're experiencing so much reinventing the wheel and anything that we can sort of share in terms of templates and examples is just um uh, so yeah. valuable um so uh i'd love to can you share with us you know m maybe your your, your favorite project that you've deployed yeah. or an initiative you know what's your favorite initiative of, of all of this you know, what's really been, uh, you know, one of, one of the Smart Cities projects that you've really loved? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, the one that's um, 
that sort of really is an exemplar of what we're doing here because it it provides open data, open platform, open city. It aggregates and visualizes real-time data. It removes barriers to access for people and it inspires fresh thinking um, where people can um, innovate off the data that we're providing. So the 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 trial or oh, the project that I'm thinking of is Christchurch Smartview, and it's the idea essentially was to put real-time city information in people's pockets, and it's just a um, a little web app. I won't say simple because actually aggregating masses of disparate data onto a tiny uh, sort of smartphone size screen can actually be quite challenging. Um, but you can see if you go into Christchurch Smartview, you'll be able to see the number of parking spaces available in car park buildings, which helps people, you know, get to the right place. 30% of emissions in the city are from um, hunting parking traffic. Um, you can see when the next bus stop is due to arrive. You can see where the cool examples of street art are that have popped up in our city. Um, as we get micro-mobility, like the Lime scooters, um, we've actually improved the interface um, that Lime provides for their app. And we've actually, we can show you where the scooters are, how much um, charge they have left, and, um, and show you, where, you know, the journey of that scooter over the day. Um, you can see river water quality, uh, which helps you to understand what we need to be doing with initiatives to make sure that we, uh, you know, we keep improving our river, river quality. We see the city's water uh, water consumption, which at the moment is important for Christchurch because um, the water consumption controls the amount of chlorine, and, and, and that's a recent and temporary initiative until we have some improvement of our of our bores and wellheads. And you can see simple things like airport arrival and departure times, the events coming up in the city. I mean, there's masses of data that have been um, provided publicly by other agencies. And all we're doing, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we are grouping them together in one place. And, you know, this will lead to um, the combination of data that will give us greater insights. We'll be able to help people understand how the city operates and why things happen when they do and the impact of weather on parking and events and things like that. So it's kind of like the Trojan horse for, you know, for just this open and connected city. Um, so that's, you know, one of the things I love. And um, obviously I mentioned the other one, but with that seismic resilience as a service, we're providing a 600% increase in the number of seismic sensors in our city. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so that's pretty exciting too. Well, both both of those are, are absolutely fascinating, and it's it's um, it's incredible just that that sort of open data uh, example and and bringing all those streams of data together is um, uh, I, I can't begin to imagine sort of that that process. But um, my um, my question, and probably just wrapping up now, my my question then sort of becomes one of um, like what's next? Um, I mean, yeah. what, what's 2019 looking like? You've, you've had some great successes. You've got a rebuild that's still going to go on for, for quite some time. Um, what, what sort of, what's sort of next and high up on the to-do list? Hmm. So, you know, as opposed to the last couple of years when I've kind of been standing up um, projects, um, quickly and you know and, and obviously um, just looking to demonstrate um, that we actually get things done 
this year, 2019, we're really beginning to um, stretch our strategic wings, if you like, and uh, really move into those citywide initiatives. So um, in that same sort of space with open data, open platform, open city, um, projects that are exciting coming up will be the city, the council dashboard, which um, t- basically supports a one-team vision of the aggregation of disparate real-time data, um, which leads to the city dashboard, and that's where you know talking with CD, oh, sorry, the um, Christchurch Hospital, with um, Environment Canterbury, with um, City Care, who are you know a service com- infrastructure service company, asset management company, um, with you know the likes of um, the airport and Orion, who's a Lions company, really getting together, collaborating um, to combat the silos for a better managed city. And so instead of us um, all having these wonderful dashboards on our own, we actually share the data um, and we will go beyond a basic aggregated view of just data. So I know a lot of cities have these um, dashboards that basically just show real-time data cooking through. We're going to go further than that and we're going to, um, once we get this data, start providing interpretive analytics and insights in real time. So it's um, the dashboard would certainly be a first step, um, but then we're going into, you know, basically getting much richer insights. Um, so going beyond displaying the data. And the other thing that's going to be something that um, we'd encourage people to look out for as well is the Innovation Expo. Um, and the, the Christchurch Innovation Hub, which is where we're going to sort of basically aggregate all the innovation stories that are going on around Christchurch so that um, we can really start leveraging local innovation because there's a classic story in Christchurch that I'm sure is replicated um, in other cities as well. We have a thriving innovation sector with strong international um, recognition, and yet they're not actually having their solutions implemented locally. So we really want to reverse that wow. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I suppose the the the, the, late, well, the last and most important part is that I'm looking to implement an innovative sort of uh, commercial framework. So I'm looking to transition Smart Christchurch from 80% ratepayer funding to 80% external investment, um, which I'd like to see committed through to 2030. So um, that would be any... Uh, those are the exciting things on for Smart Christchurch in 2019. Well, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface here today, uh, Teresa, and um, I imagine in another 12 months there's even going to be more to dig into. So um, I'm, and I also want to probably go a little bit deeper with you in another episode around resilience and sort of, mm. you know, what a, what a digital backbone for a resilient city looks like. Um, but um, I, I wanted to sort of uh, end uh, by asking a question that we ask all our uh, government uh, guests on the Chronicles, which is, uh, which city do you have a smart cities crush on? <laughs> well, um, I have to say that um, I managed to make my way to the Netherlands last Ooh. year and I was hosted by the Netherlands government and got a tour around The Hague and Rotterdam and, oh, look, it was just incredible. So I think um, there's a lot happening in the Netherlands. They're 
straight talkers talk about keeping it real and operating with integrity. That's certainly what they do. They've got their eye fully on the um, long-term thinking prize. So they're, they're not just doing things for a quick buck. They are thinking about how um, how to make, a, you know, how to have this full circular economy catered for. They have people firmly in the focus. They have beauty um, and design as a lead principle and just seeing the um, the integration between different indus- industries, you know, architects and designers and engineers and the fantastic um, innovation that's come as a result is, is inspiring for me. Um, I, I had the opportunity late, uh, late last year, November, to sort of um, duck around that part of the world as well and I, I must say that um, I, I agree with their... Ah, oh, their long-term vision and um, so oh, many, yeah. yeah, so many other aspects. But um, look, that's all that's all inspiration for us in other parts of the world, which is which is good. Um, Teresa McCallum, thank you so much for joining us on the Chronicles today. Well, thank you, Adam. It's uh, been a pleasure. Uh, and for our listeners, uh, a reminder that you can subscribe to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast on our uh, typical platforms, uh, Apple iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify. You could also head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com. We also love feedback and we'd love any suggestions or ideas. Um, You can get us on email via chronicles at anz.smartcitiescouncil.com. I've been joined today by Theresa McCallum, who's the Smart Cities Program Manager For Christchurch City Council in New Zealand, it has been uh, a delightful episode. And until our next episode, uh, I wish you all the best.